in this week's in-ear insights is ai like nutella does it go on everything should it be in everything and there's two different perspectives on this um Katie, you saw something on, I think it was Threads, right? The, which is mm -hmm. it, which is our replacement for the the uh, long mourned uh, Twitter. Uh, do you want to set the stage as to what it is that people are discussing about AI? Yeah, absolutely. So over the weekend, I was just sort of scrolling through, and you know what's inter interesting about Threads is it's a blend of personal and professional conversation at least for me i usually try to keep all my social platforms separate and this one uh this one thread came up where uh the poster said two of my friends at different companies reported leadership literally saying quote put ai in everything was the new mission not based on what on what it's good for what their products need just ai afi everything because investors like it and i grabbed it because you know, we, Chris, you and I often talk about, you know, the prop, like the five P's and, you know, I've mentioned that AI isn't the solution to everything. And so it's a little concerning to me now that, you know, in very broad strokes, leaders are saying without doing like a five P or something like that, they're just saying, put AI in everything. And to me, that's very much a panic move. It's a short-sighted move, and it's also an ignorant move because they don't know what that means. So where do you want to start with that, Chris? So I sort of agree with that. Um, <laughs> and, and, and here's why. Not because investors like it, not because mm -hmm. it's trendy, but because AI is a technology. Um, it's not a platform. It's actually a, a base technology, like writing is a technology, like mathematics is algebra mm -hmm. is a technology. And so one of the things that we want to encourage people to do with caution with you know with putting some thought into things building out things like you know good user stories is mm -hmm. try to do everything with ai so that you figure out what it's not good at right so you know okay this is this is not a good use case for this um, this is not a this is not going to work here um and then there will be things like okay this is a good use case for this is worth trying to figure out how do we implement this into our 5P framework. You know, but AI is going to be part of the platform for HR or finance or sales or whatever the case is on a task by task basis. So I kind of agree with, I think the motivations are wrong, you know, doing it because the mm -hmm. investors like it, bad idea, right? Um, doing it because you see an opportunity to save money, save time or make money, I mm -hmm. think is a is a sensible way to start thinking about it because you know if you we always say if you get two out of three you've won right <laughs> save time save money make money if you can get two out of three ain't bad um so i think the motivations are wrong but i think the concept is test experiment come up with good user stories and then see what happens the the issue I see with your recommendation, and your recommendation isn't wrong, but the issue I see with the execution of your recommendation is people having patience, people paying attention. And so I I will bet you, what do you say, a small pastry with the retail value under $5, basically a donut, I'll bet you a donut, um, that if we were to propose this idea of testing to companies they'd be like okay great yeah i'll do that 
But then what they'll do is they'll basically say like, here's my list of tools. Does it do the thing? Yes or no. It's not, does it do it well? It's not, does it fit into the process? It's not, what were the results? It's, did it do it? Did it write content? Not, was the content correct? Was the content valuable? Will the content help my SEO? It's, did it do it? Great. Check. So I'm going to start using it. I don't care. You just figure out how to fit it into your process. It's going to write the content for you now. And so I also feel like, so I feel like there's one side of that. The other side is that I feel like there's a bit of, you know, what we call that analysis paralysis or that overwhelmed feeling of like, I don't even know where to start. You know, so you're saying use AI on everything you do. Well, you have people like me who are like, what does that even mean? Like, should I use AI when I'm sorting my laundry? Should I like use AI to help me poach chicken? Like, should I use AI to figure out the best route to walk a dog? Like, what does that mean? And I don't even get started because I'm so overwhelmed with the options. And so how do you respond to those two different camps? The camp one, who's like going to say, okay, great. Yes or no. And the other camp is like, I don't even know where to begin. So, okay, let's start with um, where do you even start? If you go to the Trust Insights website, you will see a one page in the, in, uh, the insights section that looks like this. Um, this is our beginner's starter kit for some basic tasks and which model and tool you should start with. This is not comprehensive. This is not the be all end all. This is the starting point. It's like, you know, it's like your first pair of sneakers when you take up running. Is this going to be the pair of sneakers you're running with at, at mile 26 in the Boston Marathon someday? No, but this is better than sitting on the couch. This is, this is put on the sneakers. So for I, I think this part is is an important thing to, to take into account, which is, OK, well, what? Where should I even begin? Um, mm -hmm. And then the second thing to keep in mind is, and this is, you'll find this if you go to uh, where can I get the slides.com, you'll find many talks that have this. This is the six broad categories. So, what are the things that in general you want to do with it? In this case, generative AI, because remember, there's the three categories. Katie, you were actually on a podcast recently talking about the three categories find, organize, and generate. For mm -hmm. generation, these are the six kind of broad categories. So, if you think about the tasks that you do every day, they probably fit into one of these things. And if they don't, then it might not be a good use case for generative AI. So like, how should I poach chicken? That's a question answering task. Where should I walk my dog? That can be question answering, but that's like geospatial data is not something that most language models are going to be good at because geospatial is not language. It's like doing math. Right. These things really are bad at math. So I want to go back to your example of uh, where do I start? And so you gave the example of, you know, you buy your first pair of running shoes and it's not the pair of shoes that you're going to run the marathon in. And so it struck me that mm. that sort of still fits into those two camps of I don't know where to start and let me buy the best of the best and figure it out. And so I can still sort of see there's the, all right, I got to start somewhere. So let me just put on the shoes that I already own versus I think it falls into this camp of CEOs who are saying, just put AI in everything let me buy the most expensive pair of shoes and then I'm going to figure out whether or not I can actually run or if it's, you know, going to be harmful to my joints, but I'm just going right. to do it anyway. So like, just like figure it out, just buy the best of the best. Right. And we go back to the five P's, right? The shoes mm -hmm. are the platform. They're the fourth P, right? <laughs> the, the, you, know, um, you need to start over here. Yeah. Purpose. Like, 
uh, on a task by task basis. So the, the one of the things that we tell people very, very early on in, in your AI journey is sit down and think about what are the things that you would even want to, to try doing with AI, right? Um, so we, we have a this this lovely graphic here. We say, look, there's stuff that you're going to do in your company, like process optimizations. There's stuff that's going to be external, like maybe content you generate, maybe um, how your customer service center works. So what are all those tasks? And then what are the tasks that are improving something that already exists, optimizations, and then things that are net new to, to your organization? Maybe you're going to build a chat bot that people can talk to and ask customer service questions to doing what's called call deflection. Uh, but you want to put this on a wall, virtual or real, and get out your post-it notes and start putting down all the tasks that you do so that you can figure out of these tasks, which ones are urgent, which ones are important, which ones are easy. S you know, score them essentially, you know, one point for each of those things and say, okay, well, this, this, this task here, um, a real a simple, straightforward example would be, uh, Katie, you had me recently build some new reporting using HubSpot data. It's urgent because mm -hmm. that data is important. And that data is important. Right? And now with generative AI, writing the code to do that is easier than certainly it was you know, a year ago. And so I said, uh, let's take that task. And, and you and I actually sat down and wrote these mm -hmm. user stories. As a CEO, I need to see where we are getting our business opportunities from so that I can tune uh, our marketing, our marketing methods, right? We wrote out those stories, and then, based on that, I was able to construct dashboards from the data to meet those user stories. So that's an example of we picked something that was an optimization that's internal, right? So mm -hmm. on our on our grid here, that's urgent and important, and now relatively easy to do with AI. So that's how we got started with that particular thing, and that's the method I would suggest to people. Figuring out how do you get started? You know, where do you get started? Catalog your stuff, rate it, and then say, okay, well, what can we, what can we pick one of this long list and start? Because yeah, you can use AI for everything. Some things it will just be a profoundly bad choice for. Well, and I think what's interesting is as you're walking through this process, at no point did you say pick a tool and then figure it out. When you think about the five P's, the purpose, people, process, platform, and performance, platform is purposely in the fourth spot. Now, <clears throat> you don't have to go through these in the exact order, and oftentimes process and platform are coupled together, but in terms of importance, purpose, and then people, you should never be picking your tool first. And then saying, let me backtrack and figure it out. And so to see if I can pull off a Chris Penn analogy, you should never pick a whisk and then figure out whether or not you can make a steak. Yeah, no, that's, like that should, is exactly right. You should first figure out what is it that I'm trying to do? I'm hungry. What things do I have to work with? I have a steak. I have a frying pan. And then you're like, oh, well, the proper tool would be a spatula not a whisk but if you start with the tool first then you're already subconsciously boxing yourself into a solution even if it's not the right solution for it, it's not solving even the right problem exactly the exception to that would be r d like hey we've got this new tool we want to see sure. what it can do 
but the, the purpose there is still clear. You're doing R&D. You want to see what this mm -hmm. thing can do. So even in that case, we've got a new tool. You've got a new language model. You've got a new frying pan, whatever it is. You mm -hmm. are, you, your purpose is still clear. We want to see what this thing can do. And our performance, our measurement of it is <clears throat> we are going to catalog what this thing can do. Well, and I would, I would even go so far as to say like, you know, yes, you have a bunch of tools that you want to do R&D on, but you still want to make sure that you're thinking through the user stories and to see it's just like the scientific method. You have to have a hypothesis to test. And so, so let's say I have a whisk. I'm not just going to start throwing it at things and to see what happens. You know, that's not going to give me great results. You still want to say, you know, as a, you know, busy working person, I need to, you know, make dinner so that I can feed myself and my family, you know, so then you're like, okay, and then what can a whisk do? So you start to outline, here's the different use cases of a whisk, a whisk can, you know, whip things up, it can mix things, it can do this, that, the other. So then you start to write those user stories of, as a person in my kitchen, I need to mix pancake batter so that I can have pancakes. And then you have the user story that tells you here's what's supposed to happen. Then you introduce the tool, the platform to see, can it do the thing? Because the outcome in this scenario is making pancakes. So right. could you make pancakes? <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. And, and so we're, to that commentary that of put AI in everything, that's, that is kind of like saying you spreadsheets for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah, there's some stuff that just doesn't belong in spreadsheets. It's just the wrong tool. Having, I, I think the other part there, and you, you talked about this early on, was there is a lack of education among decision makers about the capabilities of what AI can do so mm -hmm. that you can then make decisions or, or not make decisions based on that. And so I think part of the, the part of the thing is educating decision makers like, these are the things generative AI is generally pretty good at. And these are and so that you can tell help them say, like, yeah, this task here doesn't fit in the, the six broad things generative AI is good at. So probably don't waste your time doing that there because it's it's just not going to be a, a good fit. But they have to know it's kind of like if someone handed you a whisk and you'd never seen a whisk before you're like what do i do with this is it a hat like is it a is it a brooch is it a pterodactyl like, <laughs> what is this thing what is its purpose um mm -hmm. the and and to go back to also something you were saying earlier one of the things is you you absolutely want to develop some kind of testing plan and this week's um in-ear insights newsletter uh, which you can get at trustinsights.ai newsletter um, the data diaries column is actually on how to set up an ai testing plan because we're going to talk about how to, how to set up um testing of different models because i've seen a bunch of stuff on my own threads of people talking about evaluating models but then not doing it in a way that would pass any sort of rigor so uh we're going to talk about the, the procedure for how you do that for yourselves because it every test is going to be different and it should be suited towards your company and no surprise the testing plan is built on the five p's <laughs> It's funny how that works, you know, it's, and I could, you know, wax poetic all day long about a proper test plan and the utility of it and the usefulness and the time savings and the headache savings of a proper test plan. But, you know, and that goes back to, you know, the, 
like, okay, I have a whisk, I'm doing R&D on this whisk, what is it that I need to test? Because again, yeah, you can just start throwing it against the wall and tossing it into bowls and, you know, seeing if you can flip a steak with it, but you still don't know if it's doing what is intended to do. Like, can I flip a steak with a whisk? Probably. But can I do it well? Can I do it efficiently? Can I do it without splattering, you know, hot, you know, steak juice and grease and butter everywhere? Probably not. Can I do it without making a big ass mess and ruining my steak? Probably not. And these are the things that would go into the performance. And so the user store would be, you know, as a home chef, I need to flip my steak correctly so that it's cooked evenly. I don't make a mess. And sort of you start to tick down all of those things that you're testing against. And that starts to become the framework of your test plan, which Chris will go over in the newsletter this week. But, you know, so when we go back to the put AI in everything, just AI-ify it, which I'm really concerned that that's going to become like some new business jargon, just AI-ify it. You know, it's such a vague request, but in my mind, it's costly. It's, you know, poor use of time. So it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. And you don't know what kind of results you're going to get when you do that. And so, you know, I could AIify my house and like how I take care of my plants. But like, is that the best use of time and money? Probably not. I could do it, but that doesn't mean I should do it. Is it, what is it, Jurassic Park? Just because we could doesn't mean I just was so concerned about whether they could. They never stopped to think about whether they should. And I think that that quote applies here. Because that's exactly right of, you know, adding AI to everything. Sure, you can do it, but it doesn't mean you should. And so if we go back to, you know, the very simple example of adding AI to your content. Yeah, AI can write content. That doesn't mean you should because it could be really crappy content. It could not be the content that you want. It could be wholly inaccurate that hurts your brand reputation because you're not QAing it and paying close enough attention. So can it? Absolutely. Should it? You really need to vet whether or not that's, a, you know, whether or not it's the right move for you. Exactly. And this comes from developing out and building out your user stories. So mm -hmm. this is an example that we give in the, the full day workshop that we offer on, on uh, large language models. This is the first capacity user story. As a CMO, I need to generate long form content so that I can capture more audience through organic search. That's a good start but it's still not enough. So what you would want to do is have something more specific, like as a CMO, I need to generate long form content with Claude too, so that I can capture 30% more organic search traffic and generate 10% more leads in calendar year 2024. Now you have some outcomes that you're after that you can then start to evaluate. If I set up an AB testing plan, I have human generated content, I have AI generated content. Does it get me? 30% more organic search traffic. And you can now you you can now build out your five Ps. This is the performance part of the five Ps to say, yes, AI is doing its job because the this first user story, it you would succeed just by using AI, whether it's a good idea or not. When you're more specific in user story and you put some performance measures there, you say, well, you know what? We are using AI, we're testing it out. To, to generate more content, but it's only getting us 2% more organic search traffic or the, the content that we're putting up isn't getting any more search traffic than the human-led content. 
So is there a different measure that we should be evaluating to, to do this? And I think that's, again, that's part of the gap in these, you know, AIFI everything is that like, well, no, if you don't, if you're not clear about what the measure is of success, it's just going to be a, a, a potentially disastrous waste of time. So in a user story, I would typically advise against listing the tool. But if you're doing R&D, if, do, if you're writing a test plan, then I think it is appropriate to list the tool. But then you would create a new user story for every single tool that you're testing. So as a CMO, I need to generate long-form content with Claude too. As a CMO, I need to generate long-form content with ChatGPT. And then each individual user story become for each tool becomes its own set of like uh, qualifications, your test plan of, you know, did it do the thing? Um, but typically, you wouldn't want to list the tool because then again, you're sort of leading with, here's the solution. Let me find a problem. Yep. And this very much is a, a user story for R&D to figure out like... Can I even use the thing? Like, it, it, what and what should I expect the thing to do so that I know whether or not it, what success looks like? Because that's another one of the the big problems with this AIFI everything concept is what does success look like? Mm -hmm. Are you saving time? Are you saving money? Are you making money? And in the case of something like AI, if AI is generating content that's less good than your normal content, you might be saving time, but you might be costing yourself money. So what is the trade-off? Is the time you save worth as much as the money you might be losing if you are writing mediocre content? That's something that, again, you have to test out. You've got to, and you've got to make it part of user story and part of your testing plan. It's, you know, and Chris, you mentioned this, I think, on last week's podcast is that you were talking with industry peers and the expectations of consumers has changed such that, you know, they expect that we're using AI. So therefore, they don't want to pay as much for certain things. So I can sort of see where, you know, as a CEO, I want you to AIify everything. It's that panic move of it's expected. Our consumers are demanding it. We don't know what that means for us, but we have to do it or else we're going to lose business. But this is where having those structured processes of the five P's creating user stories can help lessen a little bit of that panic and at least help you make some informed decisions that you've stopped for a hot second to think through. So as a CEO, I want to react appropriately to customer demands about including artificial intelligence in our services so that we can speak to what that means for the company, what that means for the customer, so that we understand scalability, so that we understand revenue generation, so that we understand potential loss of and uh, revenue and customers. And so really thinking through, like, just because they're demanding it doesn't mean that we can deliver on it correctly. So yeah, we could add AI into everything, tell our customers, great, AI is in everything now. But does the quality of the service and the product drop? Does it actually save us money and make us more money? We don't know those things yet. We have to really go through the process to figure it out. Um, you know, we've had customers, our own customers, make demands of us of certain things that they think we should be doing. But we've had to say no because it just doesn't work within our skill sets, our infrastructure, you know, our growth plan. And so those are the things that I totally understand that as you get into a bigger company, when you have a board and investors, it's harder to say no. 
And so if you don't find yourself in a position to say no, going through these exercises will help you at least justify the direction that you're being pushed in or that you need to push back on. Exactly. You, you can you can generally say not now. Um, not now is usually an acceptable substitute for no. But if you go through the user stories exercise, the 5P exercise, the task identification exercise uh, of all these different exercises that are preparatory exercises to get you ready for AI, then it should become more clear what you can and can't use this stuff for and in turn, reduce that panic sense of AI if I everything, because if you're doing the exercises, then you can you can show to your stakeholders, whether you are the CEO or you report to the CEO or whatever, you can show your stakeholders, here's what we're doing to address the question of AI. We are doing the groundwork. We are doing the foundation work. We are getting our data together. We are inventorying our processes. We're doing skills assessments of our people. When you do that, you can then point to that progress and say, Here, we are moving towards an AI-enabled future. But you can say it, we're doing it in a way that will make us money, save us time, and save us money. As opposed to just trying it everywhere at, at random and then wondering why, why your organization is in total disarray. People, and this is an emotional human thing, not a machine thing, people need to see progress. Right? It's why you have belt colors in the martial arts, right? Because no one's going to show up at a, at a martial arts school one day putting on a white belt and then and just say, okay, you know what? I expect my next progress report to be in 10 years when you give me my black belt. Like that doesn't happen. You have all these different colored belts and stripes and stars and things just to keep people motivated and see change. With AI, rushing into it's kind of like trying to strap on a black belt before you're ready no you want to go to your yellow belt and the yellow belt with white stripe and yellow belt with black stripe and and those that progression is user stories the five p's skills inventories task inventories data inventories so that you can say to a stakeholder yes we are working towards the goal of AIFI everything but we're doing it in a way that makes sense i would add to that because having worked with a lot of stakeholders that aren't okay with just, yes, we're working on it. Like that's not, I will say, I will push back, Chris, that's not a good enough answer. Mm -hmm. If you can tie it to something financial, now you're speaking a universal language, which is money. Um, a lot of stakeholders, a lot of boards, investors, that's the language that they speak. And that's the information they want to hear of, yes, we can do it. Here's how much it's going to cost you yes, we can do it. Here's how much money it's going to save us. Putting it in those, you know, in that context of financials of, yes, we can AI-ify everything. Here's how much money we need in order to purchase these tools and scale up our teams and bring on those, you know, consultants and, you know, overthrow our products and redo them with AI. Like, here's how much money that's going to cost. Can you help me prioritize where you would like us to start. And they're like, oh, oh, what do you mean? So AI is not just like, you don't just plug into chat GPT and it works. Like, well, you could, here's how much money we're going to lose if we go that route. And so making sure you're helping the people who are pushing on you to do this, understand the actual dollar costs, not just your own emotional struggle with why the hell am I having to do this? Like, this is a stupid idea channel all of that frustration into dollars and say, 
yes, we can do this if you are willing to invest invest this much money and or lose this much money. Then they're like, oh, yeah, let me rethink that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Let me, let me take a beat. <clears throat> <laughs> um, and absolutely shameless plug. If you've liked the examples that we've talked about and want to bring us in to do a workshop to go through all of this, um, there's a link right here, trustinsights.ai slash AI services. That is something that we do. So we have covered a lot of ground today talking about whether you should AI-fi everything. If you've got stories that you want to share about directives from on high about AI that uh, you've had to deal with, pop on by our free Slack group. Go to trustinsights.ai slash analytics for marketers, where you and over 3,000 other marketers are asking and answering each other's questions every single day. And wherever it is that you watch or listen to the show, if there's a platform you'd rather have it on instead, go to trustinsights.ai slash TI podcast. We can find us on most podcast channels. And while you're on the platform of your choice, if you leave us a rating and a review, that does help share the show. So thank you, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank <laughs> you.